Hello, my lovers, my puppies, my kittens, my schmoopies. Hi. What is your life like these days with uh, the slow opening in most states um, post-pandemic? Is this really a post-pandemic world that we live in? I don't know. Um, It's interesting, isn't it? So hope you're all staying safe, whether you're vaccinated or not. And uh, heed to the call of the authorities. Science is real, I'd like to think. Before we begin, I'd like to take a minute to give a shout out and a thank you to listener J.D.A. Wright, W-R-I-T-E. Now, I do not know said person name. It may be a he or a she or a they, so forgive me. Uh, I would like to read their review on the Apple podcast, which, by the way, thank you to the 66 of you who have reviewed the podcast thus far. Uh, The more, the merrier. So I would urge you to do just that if you get a chance. So on April 4th, J.D.A. Wright wrote the following. So happy I came across this podcast. Nadej is all of the above covering clever, diverse concepts. My only but, capital B-U-T, is the jarring, ear-splitting interlude music. What the fuckery? (laughs) Serenely listening along, then thwang, and I am jolted off center, especially when I'm listening at night. Please consider a more melodious selection. J.D.A. Bright, thank you for that. From someone who listens to podcasts herself at night, usually, because I am at times I have terrible bouts of insomnia and I get to catch up with podcasts. And I I agree with you that there are some podcasts, not just because of their music or those that have a little music under the conversations. Those drive me crazy, by the way. I want to say that I fully uh, understand where you are coming from. So I am taking your suggestion under advisement. If there are other listeners who disagree, who'd like for me to keep the music, do let me know too. Uh, JDA Wright, please contact me directly at whatthefockery at gmail.com. Whatthefockery at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. I'd love to send you some swag. In fact, anyone who's writes me a review or has written a review, shoot me an email, let me know, and I am happy to send you a what the fuckery, either a shopping bag or a travel mug. Oh yeah, you can have your own what the fuckery with you and take it along for a ride. Uh, having said that, I am excited for the conversation you're about to listen to. My guest today is a returning conversation partner. He is Dr. Broderick Sawyer. He's from episode 57, the episode that dealt with racial trauma. Uh, Dr. Broderick will be henceforth known lovingly by me as Dr. Bro. After speaking to Dr. Sawyer, it is my humble conviction that self-love just may be the cure to all that ails society. And let me tell you, once you listen to the this episode, I think you'll agree, we have receipts. We have receipts. What the fuckery is self-love? 
Cue the thwang. Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadej August, your host. And if this is your first time, welcome. And here's what you can expect. What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyle, truths, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss Our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if in that process we manage to bring clarity to you, dear lover, puppy, kitten, schmoopy, then thank you for being curious, open, willing, and uh, sharing this podcast as much as you can. Our guest today once again, is Dr. Broderick Sawyer. And who is he? Well, he uh, is a psychologist, activist, diversity consultant, workshop facilitator, with a specific focus on healing racial trauma in Black Americans using liberation psychology. He received his PhD from the University of Louisville, studying racial trauma and the healing effects of mindfulness and compassion-based intervention. I do hope you enjoy this conversation and leave me your feedback. We can be find found, pardon me, on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Join us in conversation. I'll see you on the other side. Dr. Bro, you're back. I'm back. I'm here. Um, how you doing? How you been? How have I been? Can I just share, right before this meeting with you, this recording, um, I just spent two and a half hours with someone who I thought would be an expert on uh, color race theory and uh, anti-racism. That is what their Twitter feed said. Um, Someone retweeted something he posted, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I reached out right away. He was happy to come on. Well, imagine my surprise as we're talking, I came to the realization that this man is actually anti-anti-racist. <laughs> so well, I had not good. No, no, it's not. It was shocking. Yeah. Took me completely by surprise. And uh, I had to just ask him, so are you MAGA? And he's like, yes. I'm like, do you own a MAGA hat? He's like, no, but I did borrow one and took a picture and posted it on Instagram. And I said, I'm taking you voted for Trump. Yes. When? October. Supposedly prior to all of that, he's always voted. He voted for Hillary. He just didn't want Biden. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, oof. I mean, I almost, I'm still wrestling with whether I will release that episode or not, or even do anything with it because I don't want to give him a platform. But at Mm. the same time, if I'm staying true to what my mission statement is, which is to try to be objective and just present everyone's point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So that's uh, my big moral dilemma. That's how I've been. How's yeah. your day going, Doctor Bro? Uh, that's a tricky one. I'm doing all right. I'm I'm chilling. Like I said before, I'm Fridays. I'm I'm just trying to relax. You know, mm-hmm. more so the pleasurable activities. You know, work activities as well. Um, 
But yeah, that, that's me. I'm just that's me. That's you, all right. That's you, all right. So we're going from racial trauma mm-hmm. to self-love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a tricky one indeed, because love is this energy, and we expect it from other. You know, we think it's coming from outside, but you're saying that loving thyself is the answer to lots mm-hmm. of what may ail us as a society, perhaps. Mm-hmm. What the fuckery is self-love? Yeah. Well, to your point about um, really just society in, in general, uh, we have to not just think about love in a standalone kind of sense, but we have to also think about what it forces people to do. Um, so if I love if I love someone, then someone tries to harm that person. I might even try to, I might try to harm the person who's trying to harm the person that I love. Right. So people might see that and they say, Oh, that's aggression. Right. But really it's love being manifest. Right. Um, So similarly, let's take, let's take something else, something more controversial here. Let's take, let's take that mag guy. For example, the guy you're talking about, right? So uh, in terms of white supremacy, it's sort of ratcheting up because demographics are changing. You know, there are more black, indigenous people of color, you know, those population numbers are going up. So there's a lot of fear and insecurity about what about me? What about, what about me getting represented? What about me uh, getting resources and different things like that? I won't get resources. So now I'm going to be aggressive towards black indigenous you know people of color right thinking that if i am aggressive towards them then i will soothe myself why do i want to soothe myself because i love myself in that way self-love it is a natural human resource uh, reflex towards ourselves it's not something that that you that you exactly do with yourself it's something that you're already doing right and when we become conscious of that need to feel like we care about ourselves, then the aggression starts to go away a little bit. There are certain circumstances where um, aggression might be called for, right? You know, someone's trying to harm my, my child or my loved one or something, something like that. But when it comes to just basic fear and insecurity, will I be seen? Will I be known? A lot of these things, um, we go very, very, very far to try to carve out that space for ourselves rather than uh, just engage ourselves and say, I need to feel, I need to feel loved and cared for and soothed. And that is really the direct need um, that a lot of people have. But self-love to really love ourselves, you also have to have a willingness to look at your own pain. And that's typically the barrier to self-love. The barrier is, well, I don't want to look at this pain. So then if I don't look at it, I never soothe it, you know, but if I look at it and I just stop judging it or judging myself for having pain, admitting that I am a, I am weak and vulnerable, um, just as a human being, like vulnerability isn't something we do. It's something that we are. We can pretend that we're not or we can acknowledge that, yes, this is what I am and I have needs. Once we start to admit those needs, self-love, respect for ourselves, all of that, it becomes a reflex. A lot of people will ask me, how do I love myself more? And really what they're... 
Before you answer that, because that's a that's that's definitely a question. It mm. sounds to me when you first started uh, this descriptive that you were. It sounded more like our survival instinct is what mm. protects us, right? But you're saying that is falls under self love. It's a reflex. Yep. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's the that's the interesting piece, right? So when we want that inner peace that comes from self-love, the trick isn't to just chalk it up to, well, I already love myself because it's survival instinct, right? What we want to do is become conscious of the fact that we love ourselves. We want to become conscious of it and see our behaviors as a reflection of self-love, right? So a lot of clients who I have will come in and they will say, oh, wow, why do I criticize myself. Um, and then, you know, what, what usually happens is when they're kids, they're in uncontrollable circumstances. And then they want to feel like they're somehow in control over the trauma that they're going through or something like that. The only thing make, that makes sense is I have control because I'm doing it. I'm somehow, this is my fault. So I have the control to make it not my fault anymore. You know, and they do that so they can feel in control and feel safe, right? They want to make themselves feel safe out of self love, right? And anything that they do or have done, you know, throughout their lives has really been a reflection of that, even you know, no matter how contorted it might be. Um, and even the desire to get away from your own pain, um, that is also a reflection of self love. Right. So we're avoiding pain because we don't want ourselves to feel bad because we love ourselves. Right. But you can't address a wound until you expose it to the light of day. You know, so especially in America, people are holding so much pain, but they won't look at it. It's almost like we're we're uh, it's almost like I fall and I scrape my knee and I refuse to look at it. And I just have this you know, there's this like rotten band-aid over the top of some septic wound. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's like, bro, if you just took that off and started to dress it, it would, it would get better. And, um, you know, just reflected in, in a story, um, a Buddhist story. Um, there was a soldier in, in battle and he got struck with an arrow in his leg. He has three possible responses. One, he can look at the arrow in his leg and say, oh my goodness, this pain, it hurts so bad, it hurts so bad, I can't believe this, I can't believe this, I can't believe this, and sort of just, you know, just standing next to the trash can and complaining that it stinks, right? Like just standing there and doing nothing about it, right? Or it's not looking at the pain, it's who did that? Who 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 did that? I need to find, I need to understand the source of this. I need to understand, da, 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 da. you know, or, or you can just pull the arrow out and start to dress the wound. And there's a part of acceptance there too. I can't continue to walk along with this wound and live a full life. I can't do that, right? So I can't avoid it. And if I just sit here and I look at it and I stare at it, it only makes me feel worse. So the only realistic option here is to acknowledge the pain for what it is and start to soothe it. And if you don't know how to soothe it, find out. It's the age of information. We we have the internet, you know. We we have therapy. We have we have self help books on therapy. So if you're not ready for that, we have self help books. We have we have spirituality. We have all these different things, you know, that can help us acknowledge our pain and soothe it. 
And what we find is once we acknowledge that pain, self-love becomes a reflex. Once you expose your wounds to the light of day and you just see it and you accept it, then the love becomes reflexive. And a lot of people think that doesn't happen. But when you really open to yourself, you can see these things and get that love. And some people need help with that process. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe I am one of these people because the concept eludes me. Uh, here's where the confusion comes from. I, I get the part where we start life and I, our caretakers, our guardians, parents, whomever was in charge to nurture us, uh, teaches us how to love, right? So we go through a little phase in, in, however, in our evolution where we are reenacting the ways we were taught love or shown love or expressed love right? And it's not always the best way to go through life, right? Especially if your beginnings were rocky and unstable and unhealthy. So how does one, here's the better question, what does self-love really look like other than that need to self-protect and soothe? What is that? Um, It is offering up um, anything that anyone might need without conditions. I would argue that the vast majority of people, if not most, if not all people, they didn't learn love. They learned conditional love. It Mm -hmm. was conditional. Yeah. As long as you bring on, yeah. With my mom, as long as you bring in an an A, you are, you're loved. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not even in children. They don't understand the distinction right? So it's not that, you know, mom doesn't sue you when, you know, something bad happens, something scary is happening, right? It's not that she doesn't love you unconditionally. It's that when you, when you don't bring home those grades and you see her response, right? You learn, oh, like she may not love me, right? So kids, they think and internalize in these ways. So if it's not explicit that I still love you and I would like you to do better on that, unless that's stated, Kids take it in as, oh, wait, maybe I'm not lovable. Because when I don't get an A. Yep, yep. So, so that's really what, what we learn. So we have to start by accepting and loving ourselves by first not judging. The key, the first step in self-love is stop judging. Because if we're so busy like judging and analyzing the situation, we're in our mind, not in our hearts. Right. So one um, very common example that I see is homelessness. Right. So if I told you the, the random story of, of a homeless person and from from birth all the way up until the reason why they were homeless, you would likely have a lot of compassion for this person. Right. So in this way, we don't really honor or listen to the situation of the human being uh, that, you know, that we're referencing, whether it's ourselves or someone else. So when, you know, you're walking down the street and homeless guy, you know, asks you for food or something like that, there might be this judging, this automatic withholding. Well, he should get a job if he thinks he's da, 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 da. like, oh, I know better about your, your life than you do. And you shouldn't be that. And there's this, this righteousness and, and, and I'll call it this disgusting righteousness. Indignation. It, it, it's, it's, it's so pathological. 
And anyone that listens to this is like, well, they're going to give me more reasons from their mind. And if you're still stuck in reasoning why someone deserves food or why someone doesn't deserve to be locked in, in a cage on the border, if you're still giving me reasons, you're not in your heart. So if you notice that, if you're listening and you notice that, then you're not in your heart. You're not in your body. You're still, look, you're still in the realm of conditional love. And we're talking about self-love, but notice that I'm talking kind of about everybody. The circle, it's a circle of compassion. And the goal is that you can't love yourself and hate everybody else. You can't love everybody, you can't love everybody else, you know, and they hate yourself, right? Because you're just doing that out of out of feeling like, you know, feeling guilty, feeling like you're not worthy, feeling all these things. You're in your mind. You're loving real self-love and real love for everyone is loving for no reason. And I I learned this um through um well, one, I was, I was debating whether or not I was going to uh, trip out all, all the listeners, but I think I'm going to do it. Please do. Um, okay. Um, so I, this is one of the more intense spiritual experiences that I had had. Um, and I remember I was treating this client who I was giving my all to. I was giving him every resource, every book. And I just remember me even trying to give him a book and, uh, and help him out. And he said, oh, I don't want it. You know, I don't want it, you know, very much pushing away uh, my attempts to to really love up on him, you know, to really help him out and show him that compassion. And I remember sitting and feeling really defeated. Um, I remember feeling as if this person will essentially just maybe crap out or die if if I can't if they don't accept my help. And then just sitting in that grief, sitting in that hopelessness, I had a realization and my my consciousness just sort of shifted and I felt this overwhelming joy and happiness just, just for the sake of loving for no reason. It didn't matter whether or not he accepted my love or not. I'm loving because that's law. That's it. Is I'm not looking for something. If you're loving and you're looking for something in return, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to love myself so that I can uh, go on Wall Street and make millions of dollars. No, that's, that's with a goal. That's conditional. You know, you love yourself because you love yourself. That's mm-hmm. it. You love, you give to other people. It's, it's transcendental generosity towards yourself and towards other people. If you want to be loving, then you have to go out into the world with this unconditional perspective and practice. You have to practice as well. Hopefully, I'm not going to be off-putting, but what you're saying in essence sounds like what, and I'm not a big scripture quoting person, but I do remember this from my school days at Catholic school. Uh, love thyself, love thy neighbor as you would thyself. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, that's in essence what you're saying except mm-hmm. that you're truly explaining what this love thyself means mm-hmm. and loving thy neighbor. So I guess in essence, and what you're saying is in order to love thy neighbor, you must first love thyself. In a true sense. Yeah. And you can practice with other people. And I think other people, that's the gateway into self-love sometimes. That's the gateway. Sometimes we're not ready to fully take on our own pain, and acknowledge your own pain. That's Okay. You know, um, but we have, we can start with kindness. Even if you don't have love, have kindness. You had a bad day, watch a funny movie to make yourself feel better because you're acknowledging the pain and then you're doing something to soothe the pain. 
to make yourself feel better. That's love. I love that you use the word kind and kindness. I was thinking about that, I think just last night when I couldn't sleep, I have horrible insomnia. And it occurred to me because I was really... um, I had a moment in my car yesterday where I just burst into tears and I was a little angry at G.O.D. and the universe, but not in a cruel way because I was so upset at the misogyny and the anti-Asian hatred, Mm -hmm. you know, with that fellow in Atlanta who shot Mm -hmm. people up and all of that. And I, I started to scream, you hate women. That's why you start. And then, you know, I was going on and on. And then last night, it occurred to me that, you know, we are referred to as humankind. Mm-hmm. The word kind is in our nature. Mm-hmm. We've, have we forgotten that? We must have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't forget what's in your biology. Mm. You know, so this Repeat is why thing, you can't forget what's in your biology, right? The more populated the earth becomes, the more populated it becomes, it becomes not really feasible. Uh, to stay separated, right? We have to gather together, right? There are too many. Uh, there's too many people. There's too many different people, right? There's no one, uh, one completely dominant, uh, you know, um, a race or class of people that is willing to wipe out all the other people. Like there are a lot of white people, you know what I mean? But there's not enough that want to like kill all BIPOC folks. Like there's not enough. So what that means is, yeah, you'll have these absolutely horrible, horrible incidents that will happen. Right. But at the end of the day, we can't run away from the fact that the more you brush shoulders with people and the smaller the world gets, you're going to have to cooperate with other people and kindness is in our nature. Once we learn how to get out of our minds, I'm white, so I should da 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 I'm black, so I should hate da 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 Once we get out of that conditional framework and just start to acknowledge each other as suffering beings, now that's why I love Buddhist philosophy, you know, uh, noble truth number one, life is suffering, right? Then number two, Suffering is caused. It's not an individual doing it. It's caused from a beginningless, a beginningless time, right? So no one's doing ever, anything. It's just sort of happening and we're acting out against each other. <laughs> the, the solution is kindness. It's, it's the only obvious uh, solution. Any like reasoning with the mind? Why do you think, you know, Buddhist philosophy starts with addressing the mind and learning what it is and how what it says is relative to your experiences, not relative to actual reality. Um, Because in reality, we all experience pain and we all have pain in our lives. And any listeners, this this might be triggering you, me telling you that your life is all this stuff because if it is, then you you understand, right? You you understand what it is. Um, And when we operate from from that place and we only see the suffering in ourselves and the suffering in others, when we get up close and personal and start to acknowledge only that, the kindness becomes a reflex. And, and just like any, any, any wise thing, it's paradox. But the more we lean and dive into uh, the suffering, then we, as humans, we have that reflex of wanting to do anything to relieve it. What gets in the way? Just looking away from it, pretending it's not there. We build up these walls around our heart. Um, 
but truly, you know, it's, it is a joy to be hidden, but disaster not to be found. Mm. And that's, that's really the essence what any suffering being, which is all beings, um, goes through. And we can pretend and we can play games. We can play hide and seek and can blame others. Oh my goodness. Like, and, and that's, and it just prolongs the process. The more we blame each other, we more we blame ourselves, the longer it takes to get to that place of acknowledging I'm a suffering being. Mm-hmm. And this is in my own spiritual, emotional healing work. I played that game of trying to get away, playing my thoughts. Da, 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 da. Nah, bro, you got to cry. Same thing with all my clients. Oh, ha, 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 all this. I just sit, I sit all day and I watch humans try to move away from what is. And it's always the same every single time that the words we, we use to describe our suffering and to describe our healing, those things are different. But the basic mechanics of what it looks like for a human to suffer is exactly the same. It is the same. And uh, we get lost in those differences and what we're naming. We have to have respect for those things, of course. However, it just doesn't get it doesn't um, it just doesn't excuse the fact, you know, that that we're all suffering and that pain and avoiding that pain is driving the avoidance, and the avoidance is actually what's what's getting in the way here. Hey, listeners. The term self-care is thrown around a lot these days, and deservedly so. And I think we can all agree that mental health is part of self-care. And one of the many reasons we tell ourselves is lack of time and money. Well, BetterHelp.com is the world's largest counseling service. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Now, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapist in under 24 hours. Therapy from the comfort of your own space. What could be better than that? You can schedule weekly video sessions or phone sessions with your own personal counselor. You can log into your account at any time from anywhere to send a message to your counselor. And BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change your counselor if you ever needed to. Um, it's very affordable. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available so get started today and you as a what the fuckery listener get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash fuckery 10 again that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com forward slash fuckery 10 in fact use fuckery 10 as a promo code and discount code anytime and anywhere you um use our sponsors okay back to our program mm-hmm. right so i i love that you you know there it sounds like there may be steps to get us started with self-love so i know step one is stop judging yourself Mm-hmm. That falls under criticism too, right? Judging and criticizing oneself. Judging, criticizing. Mm-hmm. What would step two be? Mm-hmm. Or am I being too intellectual to? Uh, I, the intellect is is helpful. Like we can't, it, it's both, right? So we understand that the intellect allows us to, um, it's almost like. Um, it's a GPS in a way. It's a, almost like a camera. Mm-hmm. So. We can't like, like, I'm going to take a picture of this. Do you have a camera? No. Oh, well, I guess there's no picture, you know? So same thing with intellect. We use it to capture things in reality, to make sense out of things, right? So we need it, right? So it's not bad. 
um, we just need to understand what it is. So step one is, is really less about not judging oneself and, and more so practicing radical blamelessness, right? And I really don't think there's, there's two steps here that folks can practice, right? And I like simplicity. Um, so step one, radical blamelessness. Radical blamelessness is a concept um, I made up uh, to reflect um, really the, the wisdom of uh, Eastern spirituality in terms of this idea that we aren't doers, right? So radical blamelessness. I was born to a set of parents, right? I did not choose who I was born to. My personality and personality development depends on what beliefs and ideas are projected onto you, what you're reinforced for doing, right? So you're saying like getting good grades, you got praise for that. So you're like, ah, and now I'm sure, you know, different things like that will ah, still light you up in the same way. So now your personality was dependent on something you did not choose. So Broderick, he's not doing anything. He's happening, right? So now self-blame makes no logical sense. See? So now once we're loaded out, we're out of that, that sort of philosophy. It doesn't make sense. So now the self-critical voice can be sort of seen as not really making much sense. And then when we start to blame ourselves, it's, oh yeah, like, you know, this is who I am, you know, and I have no control uh, over that. I can become aware of certain things. How am I causing harm to others or myself? And then once I'm aware and I'm attuned with my emotions in that way, when someone else is hurting, now I'm hurting if I'm attuned to my emotion. Once we're attuned to that, now things like shootings, they don't happen. You know, bullying, those things don't happen if we're attuned to our own pain and the pain of others, right? So step one, radical blamelessness. We need to see ourselves and others as, as beings who are conditioned, right, to act the ways in which we do. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of a little bit like empathy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's, a, it's an idea, though. Right. And this is the problem. And the reason why I don't say empathy and instead explain it, that's a very intellectual idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm explaining an intellectual idea that leads to empathy, right? Okay. Because the, our hearts are closed, right? So we have to enter through the mind. Right. Right. Um, and then step two is practicing forgiveness, practicing just radical forgiveness. Right. So if I make a mistake, I make a mistake, then practicing giving myself that grace and forgiving myself. Right. You try to repair this mistake. Uh, nope. First, I forgive then you repair if possible. Forgiveness isn't about, it's not conditional. Hmm. I'm forgiving, I'm letting go, and that person is forgiven, and there's nothing they need, there's not a condition they need to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no, there's no they don't condition. need to apologize. I've forgiven. Uh, exactly, exactly. That's, we sort of drop it immediately. That is so hard. I know, which is, which is why, you know, and we start with ourselves and we start, honestly, we have to start with the smaller stuff, right? Because people are going to hear everything and they're going to say, oh, so I should just forgive Hitler and I should forget that. It's like, hey, you don't have to forgive anyone or, or anybody if you're not in that place to do that, right? 
the number one person you have to learn how to forgive is yourself. And you don't have to go really deep and dark into the skeletons in your closet. It just start, start small. You cut somebody off when you're driving and you call them a piece of shit and you feel bad about that. Practice forgiving yourself. Hey, Broderick, it's okay. I forgive you. It's okay. You know, say, hey, you're just happening. You're not doing anything, right? Your dad, was con- he was conditioned to have more angry responses. So that's what you're going to have sometimes. Right? That's okay. I forgive you, right? And someone else cuts you off, you know, and gives you the finger or whatever, right? Practicing. And when you start to set that intention with radical blamelessness in mind, your heart becomes softer and more open, right? And there is a point where forgiveness and letting go um, becomes more difficult, obviously. And I think especially when it comes to social justice movements and crimes of the state, um, that is more difficult. Um, But really, uh, forgiving is also a form of acceptance. Um, I, I I love Malcolm X's philosophy because it's, hey, we're going to focus on ourselves. We know who you are. All right, we know you can be whoever you want to be, but we're going to go over here and protect ourselves. And I wouldn't say there's outright forgiveness in that, but there's an acknowledging that this is who they are. I'm going to stop trying to change them, and I'm going to yeah, yeah. start. I'm going to go. With I'm going to start with myself, right? Mm-hmm. And that and those are the more extreme situations. But in the everyday life, in everyday life, there are millions of opportunities to practice radical blamelessness and forgiveness. And then the third step I would say is kindness is just an overall gentleness within the ways in which you operate within the world. You want to embody that grandma energy. And as this is another Buddhist practice and by acting, treating everybody like they're your grandma, like treating everybody like they are that way. You know, Um, that was one of the things I was shouting in the car yesterday was how anyone can harm another human, mm-hmm. okay. But harming children and the elderly, yeah. that to me is unconscionable. And uh, you're saying that right now, treating him like grandma. And I'm like, well, apparently there are people who have no issues with you know, abusing or attacking an elderly yeah. person. There are a lot of people's hearts are closed. You know, and that's it. They can't. That's another piece of this. And I ha- if I had to add a, a fourth step here, it's, a, it's emotional intelligence. Uh, it, it's emotional intelligence, oh, yeah. right? Because we can't, without emotional intelligence, we can't attune, right? Attunement is what allows me to feel what another human is feeling. If I open up my heart and I can feel the pain and suffering of another, now it is our pain. So now it's not, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to help us because we are both feeling this. Humans have the capacities to feel each other's emotions, but we don't have the systemic, uh, the systemic checks and balances in place to do that. This is stuff, like this is in our hardware, right? So this is stuff that we could teach and implement into schools, and we could probably provoke uh, or promote world peace and get there in a couple generations pretty quickly if you just implemented it in ways that are biologically sound. And our compassionate system is very much that way. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's radical blamelessness, it's forgiveness, it's kindness, and then it is, um, and then it's emotional intelligence. But um, just a, a, another word on, on kindness, 
it's a philosophy. It's in every, it's, I can't tell you what to do because everyone has different situations. Um, sometimes it's holding the door for somebody, right? So sometimes it's, you know, it's seeing a homeless person on the side or shoes, something, just looking around in your car. Is it cold? Like, is there, is there a jacket? Do you have a jacket? Give them their jacket, man. Like you have, you have enough money to get another jacket. You know, if you got some food that you just bought, you went to the grocery store, pick something out, some nuts or something, something, you know, it's just these little things that start to reinforce that compassion and awareness. Cause then what will happen is you will give and then you will receive that look of appreciation from another. And this world is so mean that people are surprised when these things happen. They're like, oh, oh my goodness, like, thank you so much. Yeah, they celebrate. Yeah, yeah, like it's so unusual. Mm-hmm. It's unusual. And then in terms of self-love, as you start to, to, to give, then you want to be more open to receiving. Because a lot of times what will happen is someone will try to give to you, oh, I'm okay. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, no, really, I'm fine. I don't need anything. Starting to open and receive without conditions, without conditions. And when you receive, right, from someone to say you're practicing this, right, it starts to smoke out the people who are operating from a conditional perspective because they'll try to cash in on something. Well, I did that for you. It's like, wow. Okay. So now you can start to determine who in your life is operating from place of conditional love versus unconditional and just like a, just like you want a flower to grow, you have to have the environment intact. So if you want to love yourself more, you need to interact with yourself from a place of unconditional love and move towards that direction. But you also need to draw boundaries when other people are trying to put pressure on you to do X, Y, Z. And boundary setting, again, back to Malcolm X, boundary setting and emotions like anger uh, are emotions that reflect boundaries and reflect self-love when, especially when we're being being harmed or we're being gaslit or what, you know, one another thing I like, I like to call being held emotionally hostage, you know, and someone's trying to make you feel guilty for not doing what they want you to do, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to start though, that's where emotional intelligence comes in though, you know? If I don't want to hang out with somebody, but they're making me feel guilty for not doing so, Right. Then number one, like, I think it stops right there. I don't want to hang out with them. That's it. That's the end of the analysis. Doesn't matter what they are really feeling. Right. And certain things, I think family responsibilities kind of move in that way. Sometimes, you know, family members who, who may or may not, you know, just not really be all there. Maybe they struggle with mental illness or different things like that. There are ways to interact with them and still be boundary. And I think that's the real task of really anybody with, with, um, difficult family members, but so many friends and people and things like that who just pressure us. And then we cave and then we, you know, that, that kind of stuff interacting with people who operate from a place of conditional love further cut you off from yourself. And if you do it with yourself, you're cutting yourself off from yourself, right? So our, our deserving of self-love, it, it was, it was set in stone as our birthright. Mm-hmm. We're lovable because we were born. Because That's we the end exist. Of the discussion. Yeah. And, and a discussion. You know, I, I fully ex- anticipated that this conversation would go a different route. 
I was expecting to hear the things like, I guess, in the beginning, well, the new age movement, like people like Louise Hay, the affirmations, looking at yourself every day in the mirror and saying, I love you. I really, really love you. Um, so I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that that is not what you're advocating. But having said that, should I look at myself and say, I love you to myself? <laughs> I mean, you, you can. So let me, let me say this. Behavior without philosophy is nothing. Repeat Behavior, that, yeah, behavior without philosophy is nothing. Meaning? Uh, so if I just say I love myself without understanding conditional versus unconditional love, right? I might be saying I love myself in the mirror uh, just, so, just so that I can get in a relationship. I want to love myself more so I can perform better at my job. I want, but it has to be for no reason. It has to be, that is unconditional, completely removed. Once we're in that space, now we're moving more so into the self-realization realm, which is the top of the food chain in terms of human development. So why are we not going to the top? Why? You know, for what reason? You know, so I think affirmations are great. However, you're always trying to, uh, it's like a sinking boat and you're always trying to pour out the water with the affirmations. So, so as, a, as an example, right? let's, let's take that exact example. Uh, I'm looking in the mirror. I love myself. This is great. Da, 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 da. I'm in my space. Now I go to work and now I'm in a space where I'm being pressured to give this expense report or do this thing or whatever. And if I don't, then I'm fired or I'm not worthy or da, 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 very capitalistic sort of thing. So for two minutes out of the day, get this, for two minutes out of the day, I'm looking in the mirror, but for all of that other time, all that other time, I'm getting messages that I'm not good enough, right? So we have to, we have to see things for what they are and learn to not internalize and learn to not validate forms of conditional love, right? We need to understand our job is our job and us feeling worthy and loving ourselves are different things. We are so attached to our self-image being related to our career that is making it so that if, you don't, if you're not successful in your career, all of a sudden you're not lovable, right? We're connecting you to where they don't relate, right? So that two minutes in front of the mirror, you have to, by practicing these things all the time, you broaden your capacity and you carry your unconditional love with you. And it is not attached to what you get back from people. It's not attached to anything like that. So you go to the office, uh, you know, say you, you like to, you like to bake or you like, um, I don't know, you like fantasy football. I don't know what you like, but you then bring that in uh, to the office just to make people feel good. Not because they'll like you better, but just because you want other people to be happy. And it makes you happy that other people are happy. And then their appreciation makes you feel appreciated. And now you feel good. That's why. Not for a reason. But you can't. We The problem is we're looking for these affirmations to sustain us throughout the day without the every moment practices. And this is mm-hmm. just, this is everyday uh, mindfulness. Um, and, and even a reflection of um, what we might call uh, in Buddhism, uh, Tantra practice, which is less about uh, meditation and study and more so about embodying the, the principles of Buddhism and acting them out Action. at every single moment. And you're, but you're paying attention. So if you want to work on self-love, you have to start to see conditional 
versus unconditional at every single moment. So, you know, if you're talking to your mom or you're talking to a friend or something like that, you know, just starting to operate really from that place and start to just give. And when you practice these things, when you practice as if, um, as if like what you said, uh, love others as you, as you love thyself, right? If you start to practice that, it will pull your mind and in your, and your heart into the space of self-realization, right? And that's the trick. You, you act for the job that you want, not the one that you have, right? So if you start to just act like people's, other people's pain is your pain, if you start to just do that, if you start to enter, and if you have a hard time extending love to yourself, but you're good at it with others, start to act like you're someone else. But if you start to interact with the world in that way, reality will start to reflect that for you, mm. right? And that, that's really uh, the key. And it's the truth, too. It's what we are. We are these loving beings. So if you want to, and the other thing people, oh, well, I don't want to do that. Well, well, dude, uh, try it for two weeks. And if nothing changes, you can go right back to hating on yourself and hating on everybody else, you know, <laughs> but nobody wants that. And everybody knows that that's just simply not the answer. Um, but this, uh, these kind of practices, um, just biologically based, whatever you expose yourself to, however you act throughout the day, that's, that's who you will become. Um, so as we start to pretend as if other people's pain is my pain, we start to realize and feel that reality in an emotional sense, an emotion that drives behavior more than anything else. So if you start to feel that, that agency with yourself, you start to feel that love towards yourself, it will mean more than logic, you know, it'll mean more about, oh, well, this homeless person, da, da, da. your mind Will, will just lose its power. There'll be a hierarchy shift. And that's what self-realization is, this hierarchy shift between your mind and, and your heart. And just, you know, and these are the practices. If done daily, it, it will pull you it into becomes that a habit. awareness. It comes a habit. There mm-hmm. we go. And then also in terms of generational stuff, um, if you want to teach your kids unconditional love, if you become unconditionally love, loving, they will inherit that. You won't project your conditions onto them. So then healing, you break the cycle. You want to heal the next generation, you know, heal yourself. Hmm. You know, and then also if you don't want to have if you don't want to have kids, anybody you interact with and you show them unconditional love, now they have a reference point about what that is. Right. Now they know, man, that random guy, he was he was nice to me. You know, I'm not putting up with this shit. And that's a lot of what my clients learn too is, well, Roderick's nice to me. Well, he understands. So, I mean, no, I'm not putting up with relationships that are, you know, that are like that. Um, so any bit of kindness, it, it has power. It has a lot of power. Um, but even then, it's kindness for kindness sake, not, not for some desired outcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're doing this because it's what we are. And I think uh, true inner peace is in realizing what we are at the core and so many people don't know. So we're always looking for answers, right? Uh, I'm a psychologist. Uh, I'm this, uh, I'm that. Okay. All right. But what about in the moments in between at the core? What are you? We may, we are many different hats, but there's always a core. And, and this is that core that we're looking for. Society doesn't reinforce us finding that. Um, we found that the, the economy might crash. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are these are the the life hacks to to pull you, you know, within that awareness. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say this this comes from just a, a very uh, deep study within myself, as well as just the the deeper uh, spiritual texts, uh, just about self realization in um, in an Eastern sense. Um, as well as a, a lot of, uh, you know, rhetoric about the Bible and, and what Jesus is really talking about, because he gave some pretty good advice there. If we don't like attach it to the systems and everything, like love others, like, like I love myself, you know, do not be afraid walking up to the leper and just loving. He, he's just loved. It wasn't about, it, it was without conditions, you know, that person needed love and it was a reflex. Right. And, um, and by him showing that love then the healing happened. Mm-hmm. Very powerful message there. I wish it wasn't so metaphorical, so it could be more direct. But Yeah, know. well, you know, I feel you've synthesized this information that you've come to a realization in a way that I almost, I, I expect to see in your book someday or a book from you that breaks that down. Uh, you can always refer to this episode of your podcast if you forget how cool and all the great concepts you're like, sharing on the fly. Um, I do, you know, with the whole Jesus Christ situation, I mean, he, he was a great teacher and a prophet. And of course the systems attach is making it a savior thing. And it's just, and it's off putting to some, so we get it. We get it. I mean, he's what he said in that one sentence, pretty much just like, it's everything you just said. Broken. Pretty much. And a lot of, who was that? He kept it simple. Kept it simple, and, and and all great teachers they keep simplicity, and um and I love uh, the readings of of uh, you know the teachings of a lot of Indian gurus um, who talk about Jesus like he was he was just like them an enlightened being. He mm-hmm. was an enlightened being who was teaching, and others um, others made him into this prophet when really he was just reflecting the highest potential of human beings. And one, um, you know, we talk about like becoming like Christ, right? There are other, you know, other gurus out there saying the same thing. Yeah, he's just a light being. And the guru shows you where you're not. The guru shows you where you're not. So by us going out there and trying to embody, you know, this, this place of love within ourselves and really fan those flames, right? We're showing other people where they're not. And then they aspire to be that. Wow. You know, how powerful, you know, and, and then that it sets a standard. It's a standard for the way that we act. And it makes us what I would say uh, spiritually mature, because I think there is such a thing, mental maturity, you know, a financial maturity, emotional maturity. But in terms of spiritual maturity, we act as if spirit isn't something that's necessary for our lives as human beings. Um, but, but in a true sense, it just trans, it transcends all the day-to-day little things so you can live from a deeper place. You can call it spirituality, you can call it philosophy if you would like to, um, but we, if we have no philosophy and we're just interacting with things with no foundation, with no basis, then we're just kind of blown in the wind. We need to root ourselves in something. Right. But if we root ourselves in something that isn't in line with our biology, right, then we're not really rooting in anything. We're rooting in something that can't give us the nutrients. Um, so we're trying to eat, 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 but the food just has no calories in it, you know? So uh that that need 
to love, to love others, to love ourselves, right? That is a basic need to give and receive for no reason at all. Once we start to practice these things, then we see that it actually feeds us. It feeds a very deep part of us. We can say our being, our soul, our Atman, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do. But the point is it, it feeds us. And when we really open we can see beyond thoughts, beyond the reasons, beyond the conditions, then it makes sense. Um, but like I said, try these things for a couple of weeks and then, <laughs> and then, and then see what's up. You know? I feel a challenge coming on listeners. What do you guys think? Yeah, maybe we do that. Have an accountability partner in terms of not necessarily, are you practicing, but to report that you are, but we're doing this together. That's yeah. Fine. Wow. Dr. Bro. You can talk a blue streak, can't you? Easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a problem in the past, but now at this stage of my career, I'm like watching. I'm like feeling more like I'm feeling way more loving, like towards myself too. You know, that that's the thing. Every, everybody has their own path. Everybody's gonna find you know find find their own whatnots. It's also good to just have examples of of other people as well. You know, yeah. You let your life be the example and. Um, you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink, right? You can't. They'll have to eventually. I know that. You know, you, you need the nourishment eventually. You know, you run away from run away from love all you want. Oh, this guy's full shit. Okay. You know, have have fun with what you're doing. Like if you're having fun, eh, what do you, what am I gonna do? Eventually, you know, your bi it's your biology, you know. So I, that's my ace in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to who you truly are, the truth of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what can I say? Um, I'm not going to torture you by asking you how you say goodbye, but since we last saw each other a few months ago, have you come up with a special way of saying goodbye? No. No, okay. I, I, yeah. All right. It. Well, that's it. Bowing to, the, <laughs> bowing to the divinity within, we're going to go with a good old namaste. Namaste. There namaste. it is. I like it. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate you. Good to see you. You as well. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, maybe not. Why don't you hop on over to our Instagram page right now, my listeners, my lovers, my puppies, my kittens, my schmoopies, and follow and see what our guests look like and all the fuckeries we get into over on Insta. Also, we now have a Facebook page, and everything is what the fuckery. So what the fuckery Twitter, what the fuckery Instagram, what the fuckery Facebook. You can't go wrong. You can even what the fuckery at gmail.com. Okay, now, officially, bye!